My name is Colin Taylor. I'm Senior Consultant and Vice President um, for Asia Pacific for a consulting firm, Global Philanthropic. And I, I probably have um, have met many of you um, at different conferences and uh, and around uh, around the country. Um, I am here with my colleague um, Beck Healy, um, who's the Development Manager at St Peter's College um, and a local committee member of of Educate Plus. And I'm just going to take it take the opportunity to introduce Beck so that she uh, she doesn't have to, to speak for this one. I'm um, I'm coming to you from Awabakal land, which is the land around Newcastle. And I know Beck is uh, is on Ghana land um, in uh, in Adelaide. Um, our special guest today is uh, is Professor Mobo Gao. Um, Professor Mobo Gao is an Australian Chinese academic who was born and raised in a small Chinese village in Jiangxi province. Um, First leaving his village in 73, Mobo studied in China, then in the UK. Um, he's pursued a very successful academic career, including as a visiting fellow at Oxford and Harvard universities. Um, arriving in Australia in 1990, he worked at the University of Tasmania first, before being appointed as the director of the Confucius Institute at the University of Adelaide um, in 2008. And he's now head of Asian studies at the, at the University of Adelaide. Mobo has authored two books, um, which I'm, I'm sure we'll probably hear a little bit about um, in our conversation today, four monographs and uh, numerous book chapters and, and articles. We're very fortunate um, that Mobo is, uh, is joining us today. A little bit of context. Um, many of us working in advancement are seeking to build our intercultural capabilities. We work more and more with donors, alumni and families from diverse cultures, both internationally and at home. Um, it's clear from current world events, and I'm also wager from our own personal and uh, professional experiences, that better understanding of Asian cultures and Chinese culture specifically is more important than ever before. And uh, that's why it's uh, it's uh, such an honor to uh, to have Moba here for um, for this conversation, um, as he is an expert on uh, Chinese history and and culture. And so I'd like to to open with an opening question, um, Moba, very broad. Um, it's an extraordinary path that's led you to your post at the University of Adelaide. And I'm wondering, can you give us a, a, a brief overview of your background and the role philanthropy has played in your own life journey? Sure. Thank you. Thank you all. I'm very privileged and honored to be invited to speak to you guys and to share my experience and also my understanding with respect to this topic. Um, as um, Colin introduced, I was born and brought up in a small village, Gao village. Everybody is surnamed Gao. And um, a village of 300 people around. And um, to give you some idea of what the village was like, um, I give you two, two instances. One is that when I left the village in 1973, there was no elect electricity in the village. And the other is, um, I, when I was a student, uh, although I didn't have to pay fees and textbooks, but my family couldn't afford even uh, a pencil or some piece of paper. And these things were very precious at that time. Um, for some reason that I don't think I have time to go into that, uh, because Colin just mentioned the two books actually were about Gov Village. So the first one is Gov Village, uh, Life of the Rural People in Modern China. They published in 19, 
1999, and the second one is Gulf Village Revisited, Rural Life of the, uh, the Life of the Rural People in Contemporary China. That's published in 2018. So in these two books, I I I, I detailed the my back, background, family change, and, and and family background, and my life there, and also the changes that have taken place. Now, in in relation to 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 charity, that is our topic today. I, I have to point out that actually uh, charity has have played important part in my career. Although at the first I was uh, uh, I went I was recruited to the university to study English at Xiamen, a coastal city facing actually Taiwan. By the way, the situation in Taiwan is precarious. Um, when I was a student there, I could hear, you know, the the cannon shout, uh, uh, cannon sounds, but that was symbolic. Now it's serious. Anyway, so um, I um, I then went to study first English and then linguistics at various universities in in the UK, and all this was uh, supported by the Chinese government. So in order to pay back this 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 generous help, I went back to China and uh, and taught English at the Xiamen University for five years, and then I was frustrated. I wanted to get out of China to do some further study, and that's when the charities came into it because the Chinese government, understandably, would not support me the second time. They were you know <laughs> they were just supporting me generously enough already. So I had to, I can't afford it myself. So I had to, uh, my, my supervisor of, of my master thesis, I did a master degree before I went back to China. Uh, partly because the must, I did a master degree with a distinction and I got the, uh, the UK Overseas Student Award. That, that sort of uh, waived my um, fees, but I still had to live on. And, and um, here we have, uh, uh, I just list uh, some, one is uh, a very, a personal donation that is anonymous, uh, and, and the other one is the UK um, Quaker Friends Scholarship, and the other one is the uh, the Gunter Charity Fund Scholarship. Now, these people—I mean, I—I I, I have a friend with the Quaker Friends, but the other people I don't know. They just helped me uh, uh, generously, and that's how I got—you know—I was able to. To uh, to go to the UK with no, not a single uh, cent of foreign currency on me. <clears throat> so it's a uh, it's a uh, it's uh, extraordinary um, uh, 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 that that this general generosity uh, through charities that I have received, and I did my PhD. Uh, uh, eventually, my family with my ex wife uh, went to. UK to join me, and then I, I I didn't want to go back to China uh, because of the political events, uh, and I I decided to to try to understand China from distance because um, what happened in especially in 1989 uh, baffled me. Um, I thought I I thought I didn't understand why it happened myself. I wanted to understand that. So I decided to uh, to 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 give up linguistics, which I did in my PhD and master, and to to look at into the Chinese contemporary politics 
and including rural China. So I decided to, to find a job in the West. And I couldn't get a job in the UK at that time. Uh, uh, but, um, well, by, by the way, Colin, just re, uh, 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 record one little mistake. The, the first university I went is not Samaria, but Griffith. Right. Yeah, I went to Griffiths first. So Griffith sent me to, to fly from the UK to follow an interview. And, and my supervisor and friends in the UK said, are they crazy or they have too much money? Uh, that was that was very interesting. And they, fly, they flew me all from Britain to, to have an interview for this, you know, very insignificant job, a lecturer right, at the university. Uh, so I came. Uh, it was, I was very uh, excited. I liked Australia. It was, and um, I never regretted it since then. So that's 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 um, how I came to Australia. Wonderful, thank you, thank you, Mother. And just to clarify, the events of nineteen eighty nine were the Tiananmen Square. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, thank you, Mobo, for sharing your you know incredible journey from your village in China to Australia. Um, and it's been interesting to hear about how philanthropy has influenced your life and provided you with opportunities. Um, and it leads us into our next question about, um, you know, philanthropy being deeply embedded in the Chinese, in, in the Chinese tradition. Are you able to elaborate on this a little bit more and outline the role philanthropy has played in China? Sure, Beck. Um, I go into very briefly. Uh, the two main traditions. One is the Buddhism, Buddhist tradition. Um, by the way, my father was a, was a Buddhist. Um, for instance, he would never eat beef. He 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 thought, uh, you know, water buffaloes were such uh, a kind, nice animals for 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 human beings for everything. And um, so, the one important uh, uh, consequence of of Buddhism, by the way, it was introduced from India. It didn't originate from China. A consequence of Buddhism is that is the is the idea of of a comma. Uh, karma um, and and the idea of uh, you know life cycle uh, and if you do things good in this life you you get reward next life so 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 the idea is to to to, to be charitable and you accumulate virtue and that's good for your life and that actually had a very strong influence if you i mean I, probably you guys have heard about the shaolin martial arts but these are the, uh, the Shaolin is a branch of Chinese Buddhist monks, but 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 you have not heard about, for instance, they uh, their charity uh, contributions. It is huge uh, because of this tradition uh, to Chinese society, to the poor people, uh, and like disasters, the floods or droughts or children, uh, poor people going to school, these kind of things. But the other tradition is Confuci Confucianism. Confucianism stresses on um, a human relationship. A very important concept is a Ren. The Ren itself, the character of Ren is two people. In other words, it stresses a reciprocal relationship. And therefore, uh, uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't stress individual uh, individualism. It stresses uh, responsibility and, 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 uh, and um, duties uh, to each other. So, so the Chinese would think is is it's it's, it's a response. You are responsible for for the well-being of other people. I, I just give two examples. One is uh, it's it's a uh, it's uh, somebody called Li Ying in the Ming Dynasty, and uh, he was a very successful 
businessmen, especially in producing sugar canes. So in, in, uh, in 1444, there was a pandemic, and we're talking about a pandemic, COVID, okay? And, and it was rumored that uh, by, drink, by eating sugar cane, by getting juice out of sugar cane, uh, you were able to, to, to reduce or resist this pandemic. So the, the price of sugar cane went up straight, rocketed. Uh, but so he could make a huge amount of money of this, but but he he decided not to even uh, not to make any profit instead and and give the sugar canes free to people uh, uh, for that for the for that. The other one is interesting is is somebody called Wu Xun, and um, he was um, a beggar, homeless, but he he backed 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 went through all kinds of hardship and humiliation and, uh, and uh, uh, accumulated some money. Uh, instead of using the money to benefit himself, he set up schools to educate the poor like him. So that's based on a real story. And there was a film made in, in the 1950s when the communists took over power. And Mao Zedong, who, is, who was leader of the, of the CCP, uh, didn't like that film because he thought that, that to stress that kind of personal humiliation to get the money to, to help some people doesn't solve the social economic problem. And he thinks, you know, we need a, a structure change to solve these kind of disadvantaged issues faced by disadvantaged people. And, and that is interesting because that refers to back to my situation personally. So the first I went to university and, uh, and did my first de degree in the UK, it was government help. So that, that does indicate state intervention is important. But on the other hand, the second time I wanted to even further team for myself, and it's quite understandable that the state didn't want to help again because give other people some chance, right? So, but here charity came in, and uh, 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 that that. So, in other words, we can see the two sides. Huh? We need both. You know? it's, it's, you need the, st the state machine to help, but also uh, uh, charity as well. This is interesting because um, just recently, the the leader of Xi Jinping, the, the Chinese leader Xi Jinping, actually openly calls for 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 charity uh, and uh, and to 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 address the issue of. Uh, poor and uh, wealth inequality. You know, usually we, we do this by first, uh, uh, first uh, measure is uh, income. You give people income, then you have living, but the income, there's income differences, right? But the second time, okay, you know, in order to just income differences, we tax differently, right? So the second layer, tier of, of state policies for, for social equity. And, and then, of course, you, you can you can tax the the the, the rich people uh, because they earn so much, like uh, inheritance inheritance tax and so on and so forth. But now the the, the, the Chinese were saying you need the fourth fourth tier of 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 of, of wealth dis distribution is that ask the, the very rich to 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 help voluntarily uh, instead of a you know, communist policy. Usually, people will think they just confiscate the wealth and distribute it. But, but the Chinese leaders now they don't do that, which is I think is is is, is good. So, so um, 
that, that that's what I I I I could talk about this this Chinese charity tradition and also the idea of the state to to intervene. Thank you. And it, and it really seems that you know the Chinese um, really value the transformative power of education as well, and a lot of charity does involve um, you know supporting education um, of its youth, which is. Um, you know, important given our, our audience as well and looking at the value of what we're trying to do in our institutions. Absolutely. I'll, I'll talk about education more later, yes. Excellent. Um, I've got a question about, um, about the way that Chinese culture has spread across the globe. So the Chinese diaspora um, is now roughly 60 million people um, spread everywhere across the globe and Chinese Australians and New Zealanders are one of the biggest single groups of those. So what advice would you have for us um, as educational institutions to best engage and build meaningful relationships with these growing communities of, of Chinese tradition um, around the world? Yeah. Now let's let's deal with this so-called Chinese uh, diaspora, uh, 60 million. Now we call them Chinese diaspora. It's not for nothing, of course. Um, they, they might have some ethnic Chinese background. They might have in the long, long, long past, okay, um, again. But there's one thing that is, is, is that holds them together, which is the not the speaking language, I mean, but the, the written script. If you, if you talk about a speaking uh, oral language, uh, there's no such a thing as the Chinese language because, uh, you know, differences between Cantonese and the Mandarin uh, could be, greater than difference between Spanish and Italian, for instance, mm -hmm. in terms of speaking. Uh, but the Chinese language has one thing in common, which they use the script, the so-called Chinese characters. It doesn't matter which language you speak, but you can still share the same written language. That's one thing that holds the so-called Chinese community together, Taiwanese, Hong Kongese, or Although uh, there, are, there, are, there are two versions of a script, one is called simplified ones, one is the traditional ones. Taiwan and Hong Kong uh, still hold on to the traditional one, whereas mainland China and Singapore use the um, simplified ones. But, but those who know languages who know uh, the, the difference is not very great. You can, you can do both quite easily. So that that's one thing hold them together and the other thing how the chinese communicate is is the is confucianism it is the self improvement through education this is very very characteristic characteristics of all the chinese diaspora no matter where the where you come from uh, self improvement through education nobody owes you are living you're not entitled to anything you have to you have to improve yourself and, and of course, this is this of course is very important for 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 modern life, uh, and therefore this value is 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 is, is uh, works for the community. <clears throat> um, the other thing is uh, uh, because of the stress of family and help each other, you know, like 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 when I was sent to university or recruited to university, my brothers stay home looking up for my mother. Uh, and uh, and I didn't have that. I didn't have to bear that responsibility, but I have to. I felt obliged to send them money uh, mm -hmm. and to, to to help them. It's, it's just absolutely natural for me to do that. So this this the family helping helping together and accumulate that helps 
helps the, the, the everybody in that sense. So, so wealthy accumulation is again one of the characteristics of, of the Chinese diaspora. And some of people, some people might become might start with very poor in Australia or America or, or Singapore or Malaysia. But very quickly they 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 tend to 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 do better uh, in many ways uh, in 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 terms of accumulating wealth. So that's another uh, characteristic. This of course has implication for charity as well. Um, so the importance of this in terms of engagement, mm -hmm. and therefore you need to to think have this in mind: eh? education values. Uh, and, and, and and to be engaged with the families. So therefore, uh, 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 you have to think of way of of getting the parents uh, on board um, in schools, you know, like social gathering, charity events, and right. even sports clubs, associations. So get the parents in, involved is very important for engagement. And then one issue, of course, especially for the first generation of parents, like especially from mainland China, uh, there's a linguistic barrier. So you need to, you need to have somebody who is converse of both Australian or New Zealand culture, culture and Chinese culture, a very good person who can do the uh, uh, bridging of com communication for these kind of events and association. That's very, very important. That's great advice. Um, Beckett leads directly to your next question, I think, too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, in terms of, you know, just broadening on what you've just said, some of the unique challenges in um, building productive relationships with Asian families, um, you know, you've talked about putting on, on a, events and I guess, you know, many institutions are looking to provide an inclusive, um, welcoming environment for our whole community. But I think it is one of those challenges that we still face in, in um, the events that we have and um, the representation by um, different groups in terms of um, the Asian communities. Um, and I guess any, any way, um, how do we overcome some of, those, some of those unique challenges? You've talked about some of them being in terms of linguistics and um, speaking Chinese and having intermediaries. Are you able to, able to expand on that? Any yes. Yep. Uh, and, and that's interesting because, of course, I, I can't, I can't, I mean, for you guys, you, you need to think of the, the whole Asian group in the big picture. But for myself, I, I can't speak on behalf of other Asian communities, like Indians, for instance. I don't really have much to say. But um, let's, uh, <laughs> it's, 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 it, let's start with this. this Differences between Asian people uh, and, and, and the, the, the problems among themselves. I'll give you an example. This is just recent. My daughter, who 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 is uh, uh, has both Chinese and, and and local Australian heritage, so she doesn't look very Asian. At the most, she looks Italian or Spanish. So so with, with on the social media and. She, she had a photo uh, doing something. Feedback is always beautiful, blah, blah, blah. I love you, that kind of things. Um, and then one day they, they wanted to try experiment. She asked, so she asked her boyfriend, who, who, is, who is of uh, Korean heritage, to put his photo on, 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 on this, this social function thing. And then and, and they got some uh, 
a very, I think, not very friendly response. We say COVID-19. You know, it's, you know, Asian-looking person related to Chinese uh, and the Chinese are responsible for COVID-19. You can see that, right? You can see the connection straight away. So, uh, and, and they actually looked, uh, the, the person who said that, it was from India. It was Indian person. So it's quite interesting. Uh, so in other words, the Asian community is not just something <laughs> that is uh, collective. It's just so different. Uh, and um, But even among the, the Chinese diaspora themselves, we have to be aware they're so different. Apart from what I said, these shared linguistics in written form and also the, the Confucian values. But if you look at Singaporeans and Hong Kong is Taiwanese, and that's so different because of the history and politics. I mean, I mean, Taiwan, there is, of course, the issue of Taiwan status, identity. Uh, and, and, and somebody from Taiwan is very unlikely to be uh, straight into a very good relation with men, somebody from mainland China. They can be personal friends after they know each other, but you know, superficially at the beginning, they are they are they are not on the same page. Uh, uh, if, if, if you know what I mean. So 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 uh, what we need to do is that we have to be aware of this, and we have to have a a kind of sensitivity. Uh, and 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 um, and if you, uh, for instance, get a group of people, some are from Taiwan, some from mainland China. And you talk, and then you start a topic of of of, of Taiwan. Then there can be there's going to be issue, right? Mm. So that's very sensitive. In other words, so even the intermediaries with we, we, we uh, the people who 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 can do the uh, communications between the school or the, or the leadership or students, uh, we have to careful about who we're talking to and, and who is the person who is doing the job. So this is very sensitive. A follow-up question, which sort of picks up some of those those threads, um, Mobo, and that's about about motivations. You've described um, the, the the Buddhist and the Confucian traditions that have led into the ideas of of philanthropy um, in mainland China, and then the way that Confucianism has influenced um, the Chinese diaspora and their their views around around things, with the idea of of key motivations of family and and education, um, and and self improvement and betterment. I'm wondering what what other what other sort of philanthropic motivations um, are common within um, within the Chinese tradition or within the Chinese culture. Um, um, uh, sympathy for the immediate uh, need, like disaster, and 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 that the poor kid couldn't go could go to school, for instance. Mm -hmm. That's straight away uh, sympathy for that kind of things. Uh, but the other one is. Um, if you go further, uh, um, it's like uh, uh, face glory for the family. This is mm -hmm. very important. Mm -hmm. if, if 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 we can get, get have some means of 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 giving the person the donor some sense of of face and glory for the family, for the future generations to remember, and that's very very motivating for the Chinese, as far as I know. Um, and um, um, but. Uh, fellowship, friendship is very important. Um, the the uh, I think it's more important than 
for lots of Chinese than, uh, I mean, deeper implication for uh, Australian mateship. Mateship mm -hmm. is very good. I mean, I, I know that, but but if, if you're a real friend in Chinese terms, they, they, they would die for you. Mm. They really would. Um, um, so friendship is important. And, and I, I'll give you this example, like, uh, you know, uh, the Alibaba company, uh, uh, one of the big, biggest private companies in China, and Jack Ma is the chairman who uh, uh, founded this company. Uh, I, he was, uh, when he was a boy, he, he, he lived in Hangzhou and he wanted to learn English. It was very far sighted, very regional. He knew, you know, in those early days that, that, that English was important. So he wanted to learn English, practice speaking English. He would go to the posh five-star hotels where the foreigners uh, stay in you know, other places, don't have foreigners. And so he, he um, one, one day he met a, a family uh, from Australia um, and the family was from Newcastle and, and the man uh, was a member of the Australia-China Friendship Society. In those days, you know, um, and that's they're on the margin, on the margin in Australian society. But in those days, uh, these were the people who were invited to go to China. Uh, 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 so, so he met his family and 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 and, and start practicing English with this boy, the boy of the family of the same age, and then struck up a kind of friendship. And then um, he was invited to visit Australia when it's all kind of troubles, visas and passport and things. In those days, it was so difficult. And he stayed with family for you know a lengthy point period of time. So he never forgot that. So, so. 30 years later, when he made a huge amount of money, he donated 25 million to the University of Newcastle, simply because of the friendship with that boy and that family. So this is an example of, 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 of that. But, but also uh, another example is, uh, is a real estate person, uh, Zhang Xin and his wife. Um, they uh, denoted uh, like uh, 15 million uh, to Harvard and 10 million to yeah. Now uh, this is interesting because <clears throat> this is U.S. dollars. Um, because um, the Chinese actually, in the social media, and uh, were rather critical of them because they were saying you made money in China, and you don't donate anything to China. And China is still a poor country, and you donate this so much money to the you know, to the two. Uh, uh, elite universities in the United States of America who have lots of money anyway. So, so they do ch challenge him, uh, 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 not that you can't donate to foreign countries, but, but what's your motivation? Uh, and, um, but eventually, I don't know, I've, I haven't confirmed this, that, I mean, the, the, the children uh, did go to this university, were accepted later. That was many years later, anyway. Um, whether there's a connection there, that's even a story. But, but, but th there is a, something here, there's a, the two issues. In, in Chinese, there's, there's a saying. One is, uh, you sent cold to somebody who is cold when it's snowing. Mm. Or you sent another flower on a piece of silk that is already flowery. So in other words, do you donate to the very poor, very needy, 
and because <laughs> they are in <laughs> very harsh conditions. And that is like sending a call when you are very cold in snow. Or do you donate somebody who is already very rich? It's very like, like, like we're talking about independent schools, but if you look about some of the private schools in the UK, for instance, like Edom and Hari and that kind of things, do, do, you, do you donate to them? But you could, I mean, Chinese could say you can do it both way because you could say, um, you know, this is the same thing. Um, um, uh, um, my 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 grand uh, my father mother-in-law of my ex-wife said because they are professors at university, and they were saying if you give me if if you buy things for me, uh, you know they were living in China. Okay, gave me some money as presents. That's like sending flowers on on a fabric that is already flowery. But if you give your money to your family, she knows my family was very poor. That's you sending coal to them when they are in the snow. So, mm -hmm. so, so, so you can see uh, 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 there's a debate about this, whether, uh, you know, <laughs> the, what the motivated to to, to, know to which cause, right? <clears throat> for, yeah. for, for what person. <clears throat> And look, it's certainly very interesting because um, understanding those motivations for giving to Harvard or the Uni University of Griffith, as you talked about, um, you know, I, I guess that's sort of the space that we are in as educational institutions as well is, um, you know, how do we, um, you know, have gifts to our institutions as opposed to, to mainland China. Um, you've talked about the important roles in philanthropic relationships in terms of being the intermediaries and family, how about the role of the organisational leaders, education right. leaders such as the principal um, or the school's board or their foundation board um, in some of um, the philanthropic discussions that we have with our Chinese and Asian communities? How important is that? Yeah, um, this is interesting because uh, institutionally, uh, we're talking about the, uh, if you're talking about the, the principals and the, and the School boards in 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 Australia. Uh, uh, I think uh, uh, that comes back to, you know, uh, the, I think the other question later as well. Um, the motivation why the Chinese, for instance, why they donate, and if you, if you get the boards and 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 the principals to involve, uh, for them is 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 giving more face. It's, it carries more weight. Uh, Instead of some body like you know, uh, uh, somebody with no title but working at the office mm. to organize this, uh, the Chinese quite uh, are quite discriminatory in that sense. So get the get the person in in a very prestigious position to be engaged is very important. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I guess just one more a question on that is around you know, those conversations that we have um, with the parents, um, who is the main decision maker within, within the group? Is it the male or the female? Or how do we engage differently with both? Or should we be engaging differently um, with both? And, you know, I guess we've got educational institutions, um, you know, online at the moment who may be same-sex um, schools, um, all boys, all girls, um, and co-educational. How do we... How do we manage those relationships with the family? Yeah, yeah that's interesting. Um, that's very interesting. Uh, I, I, I'll, I'll try to, I'll attempt to answer this. But I started with the fact that, uh, as I said, uh, that, that 
that I have described, that this Asian communities, Caucasian communities, is, is really a big two, a two big umbrella. And if you go go down specifically, uh, it's different. My understanding is, for instance, uh, um, in the Korean culture, I mean, the uh, uh, Korean culture and the Japanese culture, uh, uh, the males probably have more say uh, in external affairs, like donation and charity. But I don't know about India, uh, it could be the same. But if you look at Singapore, Hong Kong, and even Taiwan or mainland China, uh, you can see a very, uh, the very uh, some very successful uh, female business people anyway in China, you can see that. In fact, they have surveyed to see that, that um, the young successful females successful business entrepreneurs in China uh, are striking have a high percentage compared with other countries, which is it's really interesting. So, so um, it, it, it's, 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 I think gender imbalance and gender inequality or, or women's status in Asian culture are still trying to catch up with the Western the political correct situation, I think. But but I think the safe way to do it is to to get them both, if possible, <laughs> instead of one or the other, I think. Could I ask a question, Mobo, about just to pick up on, on the concept of face and, um, and glory for the family. Um, specifically, um, in Australian and New Zealand fundraising, we struggle a little bit with the idea of naming. So uh, naming a building or naming a scholarship or, or so forth, many Australians and New Zealanders are reticent and they don't want, want something named for them. How does that work with, with Chinese donors? So Interesting. do you expect that, um, that you would see more opportunities for naming? Interesting, interesting, good. Uh, let, let me start with this. Uh, uh, if you go to visit university campus in China, like almost <laughs> all the so-called important universities, you can see the buildings with different names and they are denoted by mostly from people in Hong Kong and Taiwan. Yes, they have the names, they name the buildings uh, uh, for the don donors. I understand you don't, you don't do that in Australia, um, um, although you do that for I don't know, colonial masters and things like that. Uh, but <laughs> sorry, um, but but uh, but that that's fair enough. Um, I understand that. Uh, um, so there the, 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 there should be some solution. I think I, I'll give you an example. For instance, uh, over there, there's um, a Confucius status uh, statue that, that was donated from from Shandong when when the Confucius Institute here was was um, was uh, set up and, and he was given free, by the way. But when, when he was transported over the building with a, the largest crane in Adelaide, it cost $22,000 to do that. Anyway, so when we try to put a plate for this Confucius statue, we have acknowledged donated by who? And, and my executive officer who is of Australian background uh, suggested we have a very tiny plate uh, uh, put somewhere 
if you want to find it, you can find it, but not very uh, obvious. I think that's a very good way of doing it. Because the, if you put a big plate, the Chinese would put a big plate down. This is donated, bah, 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 bah. <laughs> very obvious. But that's too, uh, too, 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 uh, too many Australians could be an eyesore in many ways. Uh, they don't like it. So the, there are solutions. Uh, you know, you, you, don't, you don't put a big plate disappearing, it's called that, but you can ignore it somewhere, that kind of things. I mean, the, the, I was thinking about the other day, you know, um, for instance, I see uh, like the name of a, of somebody donation on a chair and in, 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 in Hollywood or some other places you have names on, 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 on pavement. Chinese don't like that because for them, the names are to be stepped on by shoes and sit on by a bums. So, so, so you have to think of the, the cultural sensitivity and also how to do it is, is an issue, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, even if you are willing to do it. That's a great, uh, great answer. Thank you. And the subtlety there of, of um, making sure that we're being faithful to our donors and also in a way that's going to work in, in both, both cultures right. is really important. Beck, I'll, just, I'll note for your next question that we've just had a question from Angela Coe on the, on the feed. Can you see that? It's relevant to your next question. So, um, so, so the question from Angela. Uh, I'll yeah, you yeah I, I can see that. And I was actually yeah. going to say, you've actually probably addressed um, the next question we, got, we were going to ask anyway about addressing immediate and tangible needs or long-term big picture issues. You've talked about that in terms of, you know, disaster relief, um, fulfilling an immediate need, but also, you know, for self-improvement, for education, etc. But Angela has asked, is there a preference for Chinese to give to facilities? Um, so for buildings, um, improvements, or scholarships? Um, from what I can gather, the evidence I have gathered that I've looked at, they tend to uh, prefer to support some tangible things that can be seen, mm -hmm. uh, like buildings and, and things like that, instead of uh, a scholarship. That's my understanding of it. Mm. Terrific, thank you. Do you want me to, to just keep going here? Please, anybody would like to ask a question, just type it into the, the Q&A box and, and we'll weave it into, into the, the, uh, the interview. My question, um, Mobo, goes to a comment which was um, which you made very, very early on. You referenced um, Taiwan. Um, and my question is this, what, what role does philanthropy play in cultural diplomacy, so in soft diplomacy? And what do you feel that the impact will be on the geopolitical environment here on giving by Chinese communities, particularly from mainland China. So I'm thinking now not only of Taiwan, but also of Hong Kong, which has seen its its share of instability. Yeah, that's that's very bad. I think uh, um, it's um, uh, China, Australians, uh, or New Zealand. Uh, by the way, I think New Zealand tend to, for some reason. Sorry, I'm Australian, but I'm critical of, of Australia in this respect. Uh, I think New Zealand seems to do better in terms of foreign policies. They, you know, a long time ago, they rejected America's uh, uh, nuclear-powered aircraft carrier to 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 anchor, you know, in New Zealand. Uh, I think that's a very good stand. Uh, and now I think they seem to have a more independent foreign policy than Australia. 
the previous government anyway. I think the Labour now is 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 trying to in, address the imbalance. I think the Labour government is doing well so far. I think, of course, you have to defend Australia's national interest, uh, but 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 you don't get out of the way just to annoy <laughs> somebody just for the sake of doing that. Um, um, so so um, it's a uh, it's a problem. It's an issue. Um, um, I mean, the Chinese, of course, are trying to do their cultural diplomacy, so-called. Um, that's why they set up the Confucian Institute uh, in Australia. Um, by the way, I was the founding director of the Confucian Institute at Adelaide, but I stepped down in, in 2017. But when I was a uh, the, uh, the director, I did a lot of things uh, for the mutual understanding of the two countries, um, especially understanding of China. I was supported by partisan in those days. Uh, I, I organized the politicians to our principals, to our teachers, to our students to, uh, to go to China. And, and one MP came home saying, what I learned in China for three weeks tour uh, is more than uh, what I learned at the mastery, uh, during my three years at the university. So, so um, but now you can't do that. You can't do that anymore. Um, it just, uh, if you do that, you 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 you'll be called a traitor of Australia. Uh, so so the political situation, the geopolitics is is not very good for cultural diplomacy these days. I'm afraid. Hmm. Do you feel that um, just to to amplify the, the the question? Do you feel that that cross border philanthropy, so so giving across across borders by people in China to institutes in Australia or uh, or indeed vice versa do you feel that, that 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 has a role to play or is that something that is just it's a complicating factor that that is difficult no I, the, I think it has a role to play I think it has a role to play I mean Jack Ma is an example that, yeah. that I said uh, yeah. but also uh, uh, the, the Australians uh, they did lots of uh, uh, work in terms of charity to China as well I mean I don't have the time to list them mm. uh, and the Chinese will remember that yeah that's absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, excellent. Thank you. And thank you also for bringing up the Marmoli gift. That is my favourite philanthropic story because of the friendship aspect to it. Incredible. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. Thank you, Mobo. We, now we have one final question um, before we, um, we go to um, questions from our attendees. And it's what should we expect as the younger next generation of Chinese philanthropists begin to exert their influence? Okay. That's a good question. Um, there are lots of students studying in, or Asian students, including Indians and Chinese, <laughs> lots of Napoleon students actually, which is very surprising to me, uh, the number of Napoleon students here in, in Australia. There must be something quite interesting behind the story. How come there's such a little country so many students, so many people migrating to Australia in recent years. Anyway, um, China is it's, uh, it's 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 getting rich. I mean, at the moment it's something like ten or twelve thousand US dollars per capita GDP, which is uh, about the middle income, and uh, it's possible if China doesn't make too many mistakes or if the world situation is not 
inter too interruptive, uh, China could enter into a high-income country. Uh, and then, then there's lots of more wealth to go around. But as it is, there's already lots of wealth to go around. I mean, there's, uh, what, in, by 1920, 2016, I was, re I was reading, China has uh, more than 250 billionaires. It's increasing, increasing. Um, <clears throat> so lots of money. There's some people are just absolutely unbelievably rich. It's beyond my imagination sometimes. Um, so they can donate if they want to. Now, uh, as I said, geopolitics at the moment is not very good, but the younger generations, so they still like the Chinese, they still like to, to send their children to here to study, and they still like them to migrate to settle down in Australia, despite all these, what we have said before. And I think Australia is a very nice country to live, which is true, uh, one of the best countries to live. Um, so um, what I have to do is to, um, to get these people. Let me tell you, uh, uh, it's just a, um, the, the students, for instance, in China, I mean, we're talking about education, uh, uh, self-improvement, or influenced by Confucianism. One of the aspects of that, aspect of that is the stress on in, the intellect or book knowledge and the, and the neglectance of the body. So for the Chinese for a long time, there's a, they, have, they have a saying, which is well-developed four well limbs, but the brain is simple. So they, they tend, to, tend to look down, they, they look up to the nerd in the school, but they tend to look down the sporty people, which is the opposite of, 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 of some of the situation in Australia. But now it is changing. For instance, now some schools in, in China uh, start to introduce compulsory uh, sports in the curriculum. So, 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 so how to get the Chinese young people in Australia and in New Zealand to like sports, to go to charity events, to, 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 to it's like, a, it's like a, a, some of the things is, is like a quiet taste. You know, um, uh, um, the Chinese don't like Somali cheese, for instance. Now, I like it now because you have the quieter taste. Or even wine. Uh, and it's, it's an interesting story because, um, you know, the Chinese didn't have a tradition of drinking red wine. And now mm. they, it's a, it's a, it's, it's, it's a, of course, there's a, uh, geopolitics here and, and the Chinese sanctioned on wine, but that's a different story. But on the whole, the Chinese to drink wine is it's a fashion. And, and, and the Chinese, uh, I mean, Australian wine industry played a role in that, you know, to, to, to introduce the culture of wine and to, 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 to lead the middle class to taste wine and, and, and even give a name, for instance, like the, 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 the Penfold, they, they, they translate as a Penfu. Uh, uh, march towards wealth. Uh, that's the meaning of it. And it's a very good translation. Uh, and, and I'll give you a, uh, just a quickly give a small anecdote. There was a, one uh, or, or South Australian um, premier went to visit China and met the Minister of Commerce. And the Minister of Commerce is, is so large, you know, 
you know, China is largest trading partner of more than 100 countries. And, and this premier from South Australia, he didn't know who this person is. And he, the, the premier talked about South Australia. He was, oh, he didn't know what he was talking about until he mentioned Ben Penfold, wine. All that, that I know, yeah. So, <laughs> so the, the, you can see how successful the Australian wine introduced the quiet taste to the Chinese. So what I'm saying is the, all these, these charity sports and, and Australian ways of life and things like that, you, you, you need to, to work towards it and, and get the young people to acquire. And then there will be the, you know, bad people that could, you know, give you 50 million to university athlete, for instance. It's quite a possible. <clears throat> Now I'm just going to say we have we're getting getting some great questions coming through, and I think we've probably got time for two. So I'm going to choose one, and Beck, you choose you choose another. And Mobo, we've got to be we've got to be brief. So I'm going to choose a question here from Gianni Chen, um, and the question is: Professor Gao, building relationships and trust with your Asian prospects, and please answer for Chinese if you feel that it's it's too broad, um, is a key in the success of fundraising goals. Should the school or institution employ Asian staff in this field? Would that be helpful? Uh, not an Asian staff who is not very conversed with Australian culture. Right. You have to be very, very good at the both. Mm. Then that'll be good, yes. Excellent. Thank you very yeah. much for that one. Yeah. Beck, do you have a question to... Um... I do, um, from Angela. Um, and her question is, with overseas students attending our institution and parents living in Asia, what do you recommend is the best way to engage with them remotely? We've, um, you know, the, her institution has visited, but the families are so widespread, it is difficult to ensure all are treated with the same respect. So how do, we, how do we engage with people in Asia when they are so in, remotely? What's the best way to do that? Oh, that's difficult. Remotely is difficult, yes. I mean, you feel, I think the Chinese, for instance, they love dinner parties. Okay? And, you know, get together, make dumplings or, or barbecue. The Chinese would love that. But how do you do that remotely? I have no idea, I, honestly. I, I hope this is... <laughs> um, and one of the things you could do is to have selling. Um, Graduation ceremony in 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 offshore in other places. That 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 costs money, but I think it's very effective. So your advice is in person. So I'm going to jump on another question just because because we have a moment and it leads in from that question. This is from John Groom. Um, so we have an upcoming event in Singapore, and they're an all boys school, and their their question is how broad the invitation should be. So should they? Should they extend the invitation to wives and girlfriends and partners of, of parents, or should it be um, should they focus as an all boys school on um, on men? No, it should be both parents. Excellent. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. And we might have time for one more now. Um, yeah. This one is from Anna from Poultney in South Australia. Um, Melba, do you have any tips on how to manage the expect expectations of Chinese donors, given that they can be transactional? in their giving. Transnational in their giving. Transactional in their giving. Um, so they're not so relational that we've had with our other donors necessarily. It's more, you know, a, you know, a donation and 
um, I guess we're just looking at how do we manage the expectations of Chinese donors. <coughs> mm, not quite sure I get, I, I got the question now. It's a, I'm gonna, yeah, sorry, sorry, Beck's got a, got a, got a <coughs> topic bit. So what I was asking is um, if, if a gift is, um, a gift is transactional rather than relational, then it's a it's a gift. Oh, I see. Oh, I see what I mean. Yeah. 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 So uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. What do you expect? Okay. It's a uh, it's it's, it's um, <laughs> yeah. I understand now. Okay. That's uh, that's a good question actually. Um, <sighs> I would think they do expect some result that I can see. Um, I, I, I might be a little bit cynical, but I uh, like like my experience, for instance, my personal experience, the charities that they gave it to me when I went to the England second time, they didn't expect some, anything from me. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a really, it's an interesting. Uh, but, 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 I would, but also it's, is that uh, they're established charities I mean, yeah. they have a set of rules and traditions and the practices and therefore they carry on doing that whereas the Chinese they are just starting to it yeah. they don't have this kind of tradition and practice you know uh, and therefore it's very hard to 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 expect what they want they probably if if they do it, I mean they do it they probably expect some results straight away yes mm. unfortunately mm. No, that's that's excellent. Now I'm just going to say, Rosie, I have your question, um, and that's the last question. But we don't have time to answer it. But I'm going to get you an answer to that, and um, and I'll uh, I'll ask Sona if um, we can connect by email to, uh, to to talk about that. Um, Beck, do you want to wind us up? Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, thank you. We're just out of time. Thank you, Mobo, Professor Gao, for for your time, your expertise, and your insights. Um, we've really enjoyed Colin. I know that Colin and I have really enjoyed. Um, you know, crafting this conversation and um, we're very privileged to um, have had you on board today. Thank you everyone else for attending as well and jumping online. We've, we hope you found that valuable. Thank you to Educate Plus for also facilitating this um, and thank you and call, call it to a close.